Welcome to the Rethink Leadership Podcast with me, Jeremy Blaine, CEO of Performance Works International. This podcast is grounded in business, digital, workforce, and leadership transformation for our times. My aim is to initiate conversations with experts, leaders, professionals who've got a story to tell and who we can all learn from. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel or simply go to performanceworks.global to access all the episodes to date. I'm sure you'll find something of interest. Welcome to this episode of the Rethink Leadership Podcast with me, Jeremy Blaine, and my special guest, Caroline Pankhurst. The continuing rise of female leaders, the challenges still faced in gender equity terms and the need to build momentum, certainly in the face of ongoing challenges for women, as much as building male allyship and advocacy in organizations everywhere, remains high on corporate agendas, and that's a real positive. There are experts, leaders, and advocates supporting this drive, such as passionate professionals like my guest, Caroline Pankhurst. She is the founder of the Be Braver Collective, and this is a suite of services and a community which is really inspiring a movement. It's about fearless and courageous cultures. It's about leaders and teams creating change. It's about innovation and growth in industry. But it's also a membership community for women that want to live fearlessly, lead courageously, and practice a be braver mindset. A mindset which is a model, a set of tools, and a process to enable individuals to live with courage. But it's also about being a community, not just for women, but working with male leaders to fast track the shift from allyship to advocacy. And that's all about positive action for a more diverse, equitable, inclusive industry, company, or leadership team, or workforce. Let's hear more. Welcome to this episode of Rethink Leadership Podcast with me, Jeremy Blaine, CEO of Performance Works International. Caroline, it's fantastic for you to join me. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for inviting me along. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> well, it's absolutely brilliant to have you. And I'd love to start by you introducing yourself, your business and the collective uh, associated with that, and particularly your famous surname, please. Oh, Oh, I love an excuse to talk about my surname. So, yeah, so I'll start with my name. So my name is Caroline Pankhurst. Um, and in actual fact, the story behind the name links quite strongly to um, the business in itself. So I decided to change my name to Pankhurst via deed poll um, because I wanted a name that uh, represented the values that I stand for, which is about courage, it's about change, and it's creating about creating impact in the world and making changes in the world that we need for a more equitable future. Um, there was a real key turning point for me in my life when I saw a play on the Nas at the National Theatre by uh, Rebecca Lenkovich. It was the first ever play to be a new play to be written by a woman staged on the Olivier main stage. Uh, and it was about the suffragettes. It was actually a love story. Um, but the backdrop was the suffragettes. And I could spend the whole of this uh, podcast literally just talking about that moment. But to cut a long story short, I discovered the suffragettes. I discovered the feminist movement. I had a, a revelation about patriarchy and all sorts of stuff. But critically, um, I saw courage on stage and I saw courage in women in a way that I had never been seen it before. And blending that with psychology and what I'd learned in industry for the 15 years that I'd been there, I became absolutely obsessed with modeling, researching, understanding, practicing, learning about courage. Um, so 
that's why I took the name Pankhurst because I'd seen sort of a representation of the type of woman that I wanted to be on the stage and I wanted a name that I could be inspired by um I didn't feel like at the time I'd need to do as much to live up to it as I've ended up feeling like I need to do um so that's why I took the name but then that whole journey of courage ultimately led me to develop the Be Braver framework it developed uh, led me to develop a model I wanted to understand courage um and in the end I decided that was going to be the what I did for the rest of my life um so I founded Be Braver and as the years have gone by what started off as a program and um consultancy working and coaching within organizations I also subsequently recognized the fact that there was a need and a space for women to be able to continuously embed and practice courage because you don't just go in and do a program learn about it and then it's done it's a it's a labor it's a practice um so I created the Be Braver community which is um specifically for women and it's an online learning and development space where women can connect come and share and uh, grow and practice their courage every day what an absolutely fantastic backstory, Caroline. It's something I want to dive into a little bit later, but I'd like to just come back and pick up on the research and the consultancy that you do on courage. It's a very interesting word that, and we all know what it means. So is that something that some of us have and some of us don't? Yeah, I mean, do we all know what it means, actually? There's not even a there's not even an agreed definition of courage. So do we actually know what it what it means? Um I mean, if you go back into philosophy, Aristotle said that courage is the virtue that guarantees all of the others. Um, and it's the quality that we need to most, um, you know, live fully and live fearlessly. Um, so before we sort of say, do we all have it or do we not? Um, there are different types of courage. There's there's ethical courage, moral courage, social courage, um, physical courage. I'm probably most interested in the personal psychological courage that we have. Um, but we are born from courage. We are, we, you know, we are born out of probably the most courageous, um, one of the most courageous acts that you can have. So we are all born with courage. I think there's a lot, there's a lot of, of courage in growing up. Um, and yes, we can learn it and yes, we can practice it. And yes, we can, um, apply it but we we have it in abundance um the the challenge is how connected or disconnected to it i think we are as individuals um what i see consistently in my work um is that the you know when we when we see courage in other people we are we are measuring it by our own measure of courage um and we're often very disconnected from our own. Um, we, the narrative around courage is very much around, you know, military and a lot of the research as well, brave, heroic um, acts of courage. And yet the really interesting thing is often when you will, you will speak to somebody about the courage that you see in them, they won't recognize it necessarily of themselves because you are measuring it by how you would interpret the risks or the fears or the threats or the uncertainties that are 
there in that particular moment um, or decision or whatever it is. Um, but we all have have it within us to do it. Um, we sometimes feel or become diminished and separated from it, I think, because of inequities, adversities, trauma, failure, loss. Um, but we absolutely, we've got more of it than we will ever need. It's in limitless supply. Um, and actually, you know, those of us, I think, that have been marginalized or discriminated or struggled or had more adversity in their lives are the ones I talk a lot about um courage labor um so we labor courage it's a it's a practice um and you can be you can be practicing it and not even recognizing it of yourself and the key for me is how you connect with it so that you can then recognize the 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 strength and the gains that can come from it and be able to purposefully and intentionally apply it yeah, that's interesting. When you've been talking, there's a few things that came across there. I think I, I love that from Aristotle, um, the virtue that guarantees the others. Brilliant. And it struck me when you're talking about that courage that we all have it. It's that you talk about the military and the bravery and all of that. But it struck me when you were talking that often it can come from vulnerability. Would I be right in assuming that? Yeah, because I mean... I think when when you put the words courage and vulnerability together, most people will probably immediately go to Brene Brown's work, and she's done a phenomenal amount of um, work in that space. But you know, ultimately, the the conditions that we need for courage, whether it's whether it's we've been intentionally courage, or whether we posthumously look back on it and recognise that we were courageous at a point, we need you know the conditions that we need are are risks threats fears uncertainty and something that is at at stake personally um and that means putting ourselves in a space where we have the likelihood of failure in fact more often than not we probably will fail but courage doesn't necessarily mean that making a courageous decision doesn't necessarily mean that you won't be rewarded for it, even if you don't get the outcome that you have intended. We don't get to, you know, to grow, to create, to innovate, to create change without taking risks. And that can, you know, fear doesn't necessarily, I, I don't think fear, the, there's mixed research on this, but I don't think fear necessarily has to be there as, an, as the, the sort of, emotion that you want to avoid or that feels uncomfortable or feels difficult there can be other ones as well or instead um but ultimately you know you have to expose yourself to discomfort pain hardship um it's not an easy ride being courageous um it's one of the things that i think you know, loads of organizations are really good at saying, you know, we, you know, courage is one of our values. We want, we want brave and, and courageous people within our organizations. And that's what we practice, but it requires uncomfortable conversations. It's, it's difficult. It, it's ugly at times. It hurts. It doesn't always have good things come out of the other end of it. It requires, um, mavericks actually sometimes it's about holding power to account it's it's not um 
it's not the the glamorized version that we think where you sort of like you know running into battle with all your stuff and then you come out a hero at the other end it's actually um often quite painful and that's why people will sometimes want to avoid it and actually most of our cultures and most of our organizations don't really reward courageous behavior and we don't necessarily see it in the leaders either. When you you talk about vulnerability, um, you know, if you want if you want to, in, I mean, courage does inspire courage. So the you know we know from research that if you see other people being courageous, by your own measure of it, arguably, um, it will inspire you to feel comfortable that you can take risks as well, that you can fail, that you can be courageous. But you're only going to know that of your leadership if they have been, to your point, had the vulnerability to share what they have got wrong, to share the the failures, the losses, the things that haven't worked, the difficult decisions, the difficult conversations that have been had. Um, so to create spaces where people or in, in organizations particularly, it does require vulnerability to give others permission to do it. It's quite That's interesting. <laughs> it, it's yeah, I, you know, I, I, some of the words that came out there, it's courage, it's difficult, it's ugly, it hurts, you've got to be a maverick, it's not all about the glamour. And it just struck me how relevant it was to leadership. And as you as you said there at the end, um, I, I'm just interested to, to hear then you, you, you must have come across in the way that you're talking about it, courageous leaders uh, in your career and as part of your business. What do they look like? What do they do and say that's different? So, <laughs> so they will, they might have lost their job because they've, <laughs> it's probably not the things that you want to hear, but there are, po there are positive spins on it, of course. But, you know, some of them will have walked away from jobs because there was a conflict of values there. Some of them might have spoken truth to power and suffered the consequences of that also. Um, some of them, the 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 really the really successful leaders, courageous leaders that I have worked with, um are it's silent I, i'm gonna i've never described it in this way before but i'm gonna call it silent courage because i get to i get to work with people on their personal courage and the personal struggles and battles and um fears and uncertainties that they are personally overcoming to make the decisions that they need to do within their business so the difficult strategic or commercial decisions about team structures, about people's roles, about ethical decisions, about moral decisions. And some of those things, you know, the reasons that they are courageous is sometimes there is, how do you separate out my responsibilities and, and roles within the organization versus the conflicts that I might have from a values perspective, ethically and morally as an individual? And that's the really interesting thing for me, because you don't, you don't see that in the workplace because it's a personal struggle that somebody has had but that to me is them being a courageous leader because they are wrestling with those things and I think actually what what leaders need to do a little bit more 
is a which goes to your vulnerability point earlier on is to allow some of that to be seen by the teams that they are working with so it it's that it's not just me moment which is what comes up an awful lot in the programs that we do where you get leaders from different sectors that aren't working within the same organization but are at the same level facing the same challenges in different organizations where they have a space to unpack and wrestle with some of those personal challenges that come with making the um, business decisions that that are required of them. Yeah, that that silent courage, or almost as I was hearing you, it's almost kind of inner courage, isn't it? That's yeah. uh, and what they've been through, their their experiences, successes, failures, values, cultural kind of approach. Yeah. It all sort of feeds into it, doesn't it? And and I guess also it goes back to what you found in your business. You mentioned the Be Braver community, for example, yeah. uh, that has sort of evolved through your business, and it's. It, it's it's partly to give a space where people can discuss this probably that inner courage and yeah, know, yeah. within a safe community but also it's very very much at the forefront of gender discrimination within businesses uh, and industries and I'd love to know how you positively engage men as male allies or advocates on the journey and how you're supporting the talented women you work with either within the community or outside it to accelerate their journeys in business and of course as leaders in their own right yeah because as you as you like linking that to your previous question as well in a way so if you think about what does what does courage look like in an organization so so an indi- being in a in like I do quite a lot of work with organizations in tech where you've obviously got tech or data where there's maybe less women in the room and the more um the more senior those uh, spaces get um the less of certain types of faces you start to see in the room and you know being in meeting spaces like that and being the person that calls out the elephant in the room or has the challenging idea or has um you know, um, something to bring to the table that's going to be difficult and uncomfortable for the rest of the group to listen to. That takes a very different thing for a woman to bring to a room than it does do a man to bring to a room. That That is, there's bags of research. If you read Marianne Seighart's work on the um, authority gap, it's, you know, dripping with um, support for why that is the case. And women's behaviour is not... Um, um, responded to in the same way that men's is. And we, ha- we have to be able to recognise that there is that inequity in how we read people's behaviours, the the journeys that people have had to arrive at the table that, that, that they are sitting at and, a, and an self-awareness about our own behaviour and how that impacts upon other people in those spaces, but also about the perspective of other people's. And I you know, when it comes to allies and, you know, moving um, allies to advocates, which is obviously about creating much more impact and and change and actually actively doing so, you know, going to the deeds, not words um, philosophy of the um, suffragettes. I come from a 
um, I don't know whether you'd call it um, a philosophy or a value base in life that everybody is doing the best that they can with the resources that they have available to them. And those resources that we all have um, to draw upon or the experiences that we have had in our life, they are the cultures that we have been brought up in, the, the upbringings that we have had, the systems, the society. We've all arrived here. We're all here at this particular moment in time here as, you know, where we find ourselves and men are half the solution a lot of the work that gets done um and a lot of the conversations that I find myself having are about how can we accelerate women how can we advance women we want to be more diverse we want to have more equity but men need to play and want to play a role in that um they don't necessarily, they haven't created, not every single man has created where we are now. Um, the patriarchy um, doesn't work for men any more than it does do for women. Men, you know, suicide rates in men, if you want to think about that, the upbringing a lot of men have had about suppressing your emotions, about what brave should look like for a man, does not actually serve them any more than a lot of the... Um, experiences and messages that women get about serving and pleasing others um, growing up. So I think men need spaces in the same way that women do to be able to, um, they do want to change the um, dial. And for those that don't, they need a space to be able to understand what the the risks and the threats and the fears and the uncertainties that that triggers for them might be um so the courageous conversations that need to happen um need to happen collectively and we need spaces for each to be able to explore how it impacts threatens excites creates opportunity and all of those things um individually as well and, and and hence the community. I can understand now why that community is has blossomed so much. And I'm really glad that you mentioned um, the Marianne Sadhart's book, the the um, the authority gap. I mean, what a great book for men to read as much as for women to read around exactly the points that you're raising here. And for me, as one of those male advocates that you <laughs> that, yeah. that you do there, I, I concur with everything that you say. Not none of the none of this old old school kind of attitude serves anybody uh well. And uh we are in it together. We are a collective, we are a community and and um the sooner that some industries and some companies really get on board with that from a mindset shift point of view, the better I think. Yeah. Um, and they, so, are, uh, they are sorry, yeah, sorry. They are uncomfortable conversations to have. Um, but they are the input, you know, if you if you want to be an advocate, then you're gonna have to have those uncomfortable conversations. And it's also, I think, about shifting, you know, allowing people to make the connection to why this matters, not because it's a target I've been given as part of my role or because it's a a, a line on our you know, strategic plan for this year. It's why it why it connects to the type of leader that I want to be. I'm massively into values based leadership, and a big part of the Be Braver program is looking at how you how your values connect to the person that you are becoming, the leader that you want to be, the impact that you want to make, and being able to, you know, connect to why you want to be an advocate. Not you know because I've got a mom and because I've got a daughter. 
um, or because I've got it as a target, but because that's about the world I am creating and I understand the intrinsic value of it. Yeah, well said. And you and I work together on male allyship and male advocacy, and I think there's a long way to go in some quarters, but it's really encouraging to see that point that you raise actually being embraced much more widely now. So actually, I'm going to flip that, and I'm quite interested to hear uh, kind of your two or three key pieces of advice actually that you give to women who you work with who are motivated to do more be more courageous be braver be leaders champion the cause in the workplace with both women and men on board yeah so well men need to be championing it as well as women don't they because then it because it just becomes another you know the amount of black women that i have spoken to as well that are given the additional work of becoming the you know the advocate within the organization for bringing more um women in and you know so actually carry what's yours and don't carry what's yours and assert boundaries really clearly would probably be one thing um i would often i often will say to women as well um about creating change and making decisions is to um underestimate actively try to underestimate the risks and try to overestimate your own abilities um and think what would a man do in this situation very often will shift the perspective to make them re- especially when it comes to things like um salary negotiations and um you know I work with a lot of women that run their own businesses and are negotiating their own rates and things like that um so I do encourage challenge them to think about that and also just to um I mean reading Marianne's book I think is a great way of recognizing the fact that you know it's it's about knowing what's yours to carry and what's not as I said before because your behaviors aren't always you know recognized in the same way um and you know have the courage to know when you've you've done enough and you if you can't change the system and you can't change the culture and you can't change the organization it's it's exhausting trying to change things and sometimes the courageous thing is to let go or to say no or to walk away or to push it back to somebody else it's not to carry everything all the time and as you say this is as relevant of course uh for male allies advocates in the organization as it is for for supporting the courage that uh that the new breed of women leaders are demonstrating in business in corporate corridors everywhere and i'm interested actually from that perspective What's next on your agenda to keep that momentum building? Because there is some momentum there now uh, for your community, of course, as well as you personally. Yeah. So um, my so I'm I'm practicing courage on a daily basis. Like you, you have to put it into practice yourself, don't you? It's it's a way of living for me. Um, so I'm constantly testing the limits of my own my own potential, the potential of the business um, and 
collaboration is the new so actually the so you've got four pillars in the be braver program which are around finding clarity knowing confidence um which isn't about building confidence and practicing confidence because we've got plenty of overly confident incompetent people wandering around it's um just about learning and understanding what confidence actually is um creating connection and choosing courage and connections is the area that I'm really focusing on at the moment. Um, so that's about collaborations. That's about working with partners to build um, tech, AI, um, VR, using all the sort of like data and technology um, opportunities that are available to bring those to an organize a brave organization that truly wants to put courage at the heart of it to lead um teams and programs uh, to really transform and embed the behavior and practice of courage within organizations so there's some exciting ideas and opportunities unfolding with how that will all come together um turning my phd into a book um is brave because I've never never thought of myself as academic and never thought of myself as able to write um so that feels brave um and continuing to build nurture and grow the be braver um collective which is the women's only space which is um creating so many ripples of of change in women's individual lives and the lives of those that have that are connected to them because once you once you you crack crack the code um you give it to other people you know it's interesting when you talk about the very beginning of that response you talked about this is a way of life for you and every time we have a conversation i'm struck on how you model it and you use the words you use the words and i your framework really talks to me that finding clarity knowing confidence creating connections choosing courage that's definitely pillars that everybody can take on board. And I'd encourage everybody who's listening or watching this to get in touch with uh, Caroline and find out more. And we'll come to that in a, in, in a second, Caroline. But one more thing that when you're talking, I can hear the passion coming through so clearly. And in fact, every time I talk to you, I, uh, I do. And I, and I think I, I suspect I know part of the answer to this question, but I'd love to hear the words coming from you. What is the legacy that you want to be remembered for when you consider going right back to the beginning, your namesake and this mantle yeah. you've taken on? <laughs> um, well, I was pretty I was pretty chuffed when uh, women in data decided that they were going to call me the queen of courage. I was pretty happy with that. Um, and I talk so much to people about legacy, actually, when we do the work in the clarity module on Be Braver in the be braver program and about your values and what do you what do you want what impact do you want to have made in the world when you look back on i would i would like to have been i would like to be remembered for having um given other people like dorothy from the wizard of oz helping other people to have found their courage and giving us a changing the narrative and the conversation around courage first and foremost so that women recognize that they have they are the very definition of courage um, and maybe society is trying to disconnect them from it because they're terrified about what they might do with it when they all start to realise it and they all rise up and they all create change in society. Um, 
but that's ultimate. I never, I never think I'm going to be Emmeline Pankhurst and make some seismic change in society and get women the vote or anything like that. But I would like to have been a catalyst for the ripples of change that through me giving other people courage, they go on to create the change, the solutions, share the ideas, make the impact and challenge the things that need challenging in the world so that it is a better is a better place for everybody. Deeds, not words. Yeah, yeah deeds, not works. It, it is all about the how-to, isn't it? And and uh, I think I'm going to have to start calling you Your Royal Highness now, aren't I, as the Queen of Courage? Is that, uh, is that something I need to do I now, Carol? Really, I wouldn't really buy into the monarchy either, would I? So, but, you know, it's just... Uh, yeah, I, hey, I love that, though, Queen of Courage. And <laughs> I, I think particularly, though, what resonates for me... Um, being a catalyst for the ripples of change, how beautifully put. And I'm sure this is resonating with so many that are listening onto this podcast. So how do people get in touch with you, Caroline, and continue the conversation? Oh, well, they can they can go to it's this bit where I do the be-braver.com bit. Um, or they can find me on LinkedIn as Caroline Pankhurst, um, which is probably the easiest place for most people that will be listening to this to head to. I am I love creating connections with people. It's a whole part of my module. One thing I would also add, <laughs> I could go on forever, but I know I'll I'll not have to. Um, you know, we look at these courageous people that have made, you know innovators world record holders all the people that we lord as being like the big courageous change makers in history emmeline pankhurst being another one nobody does it on their own i mean that was the other part that's another part of the thing to do with the be braver collective and that community there is always a team of people in the background supporting and we i do i live on my own i parent on my own i run my business on my own but I am connected to the people around me um, and creating connections is a massive part of what I do. And if I see people that fit and match each other in my networks, nothing gives me greater joy than connecting those people and um, seeing what comes from that. So, you know, do create connection because it's so important. I'll... Caroline Pankhurst from the Be Braver Community Collective, the Queen of Courage, the catalyst <laughs> for the ripples of change. Oh my gosh, Thank I love so the much. sound of it. I, I know, hey, what about that for an hour? <laughs> <outro? amazing. laughs> <laughs> Look, thank you so much for joining me, Caroline, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Rethink Leadership Podcast with me, Jeremy Blaine. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel or simply go to performanceworks.global to access all the episodes to date. We'll see you next time.